Alexander, Vivid Nectar, episode 265. And before I break down the usual topics that I do throughout the podcast, I just want to say, if you haven't done so already, I usually have the links in the episode's descriptions. You've heard me say it over the past couple couple episodes, but I'm going all the way with the YouTube and it's going great. It's going great. It's one thing to build the blueprint, follow the plan through and actually, you know, actually commit to it. But to see the actual growth, to see the numbers, to see the interactions from people also commenting, to see all of this come together, it, it feels real good, man. It feels real good. So if you haven't done so already, Vivid Nectar on YouTube, that's where you'll find everything that I do up here chopped up into smaller segments. You get the visual. I also upload music shorts, not, not my own music, but you know, any rappers that I'm listening to music that I'm music songs that I'm interested in, anything that comes with like music that I'm listening to, I'm enjoying or artists that I want to put y'all onto. It's on YouTube shorts. So originally I did this for years when it came to the gram, I've attempted it on TikTok, but I see, I, I want to put all my time into the YouTube space, seeing as how that's where I see major growth. That's where I see consistency. And that's where I see this platform, on top of streaming platforms, being able to, tru- to, tru- uh, to truly flourish. That was a big bit of a tongue tie there. So again, Vivid Nectar, YouTube, what you doing? What you doing? Any, anyhow, with that, this has been a pretty decent start to the year when it comes to music. We haven't had any. Actually, I take that back. There is an album that has blown me away a good bit. And that's Baby Tron's Ben Reaper 3 New Testament. My first introduction to Baby Tron as like a, a whole on project, listening from start to finish. I want to listen to it a couple more times before I give a review, but it's been a very delightful and um, surprise. Listen, I've been enjoying it. Shit, it's been sounding great, man. It's been sounding great. I, I'll just say it like that. I'm definitely rapping a lot better than most street rappers right now. And the fact that we have the punchlines, the metaphors, and, you know, we got them bars that, it's either referencing another body of work, something from a different uh, uh, entertainment space. There we go. I got a little bit luster there. It's refreshing to hear. And then when, on top of that, when you add in any, any bars, I got to be with the straps, when it comes with the drugs, whatever the case is, it's hard. And the fact that from what I've seen, it's only been a couple of years since he really started rapping. But anyhow, I, I could save that for a better, more polished segment. We've had... A good number of singles this year. Speaking of Baby Tron, Beetleborg's ba- Baby Tron Corday has been a very great collaboration. I, listening to that, hasn't made me feel like, oh, Corday's back. I, I don't really feel like Corday has fallen off or anything along that line. However, his last album was a bit lackluster. But the more I listen to this collaboration and the one with Anderson Pot the more I realized that it isn't so much a Corday issue. Like there's this narrative that, you know, certain narratives are he's born, he just doesn't resonate with the youth. No, I feel it's definitely on the production side of things. On the production side of things, Corday needs, he needs a more diverse catalog of instrumentals to rap on. He does, like hearing him on, on the crazy, with the crazy sense on the beat and the way he was fast paced matching Baby Tron's energy and of coming delivering with the bars was exciting, refreshing. 
and proving that he still got it. Anyhow, I, I could definitely get deeper into that. Some of the segments I want to talk about today, man. It's going to be it's going to be a quick one today. One of the most underrated Metro Boomin albums. I don't tend to use the word underrated too often, but this is this is a project that is just like, oh, I feel like I'm the only one that's a fan of. There's a couple people out there that every now and then I see them playing a song from here. I'm like, okay, you know. You know, you know this shit here right here. Like, you know the temperature that it brings. You know, whenever this song is playing, the bass loves it. It's resonating with it. It's going on a frequency that you, you almost want to, you almost want to just kiss your car with. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. Do not kiss your car. Do not have a fetish with your vehicle. I remember on TLC seeing a man that was like sexually attracted to his car. I think even married. I'm just like, oh God. I feel bad for the neighbors. Yo, can you imagine being the neighbor coming out of your house and you're over here just doing your thing, grabbing a newspaper. I don't know if we get grabbing newspaper anymore in 2023, but you look down the street and you just see your neighbor just French kissing their car, like tongue out, licking the hood, grinding himself against the vehicle. You're just like, what the fuck is wrong with him? What's wrong with this guy? Or am, or, or am I missing out? You know, then, then, then they start looking at their car different. And then we <laughs> stop. Isn't it's not getting any better. It's not getting any better <laughs> with that drop top wop Gucci Metro. From here, we're going to be talking about albums that I'm excited for. I'm excited for not albums that are going to be releasing this year. And I got to go and cover no, no albums that I'm expecting to release this year from artists that I am excited about. And that is important. That I am, me, Joe, solo. All right? Cool. Cool. From there, I want to discuss Jid, Crack Sandwich, a phenomenal storytelling track. And I'm happy I've been able to put this song on to a couple people this week. I put Jid on on the whip and, you know, I'll, just, I'll let the song start from Radar because Galaxy, it's, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy where albums start with an instrumental and then the actual song. It's just, so I skip Galaxy. Like, yo, who is this guy? And believe it or not, Believe it or not, as crazy as it may seem, not everybody listens to Jid. They'll be like, yo, Jid, Dreamville, know that, know that. So with that crack sandwich, I want to discuss Lil Yachty. Let's start here. Man, um, I can't wait to continue to listen to this album, but I just need to speak about my experience so far with it. And I don't walk no more. I, I want y'all to know that I don't walk no more. I float. I love it, Tate. I've reached a higher point of humanity that I don't think I could return to because of this album. So with that, Lil Yachty. And then from there, we're going to be finishing it off with Metro Boomin' again, a record he broke. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about numbers too, just because every now and then I like to go back to numbers. Numbers don't paint the whole picture when it comes to a body of work. However, it is important to understand that numbers, that numbers do give us a sense of longevity. Who's hot, who's not, what works, what doesn't work to a certain degree. So let's get right into it. Now, actually, it's funny I say that I already forgot the first one. Metro Boomin, Gucci, Drop Top Wop. That's it. That's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for stopping by. But in all seriousness, 
Uh, Metro Boomin and Gucci's Drop Top Wop, the collaborative album, I feel is one of the most underrated bodies of work in Metro Boomin's discography. Um, I don't, I'm not, I don't talk with too many Gucci fans. I don't run into too many of them, but I would like to believe that Drop Top Wop is regarded highly in the Gucci fandom. I would like to believe that. But coming in at a solid 10 tracks with features ranging from Offset, 2 Chains, Young Dolph, and Rick, and Rick Ross. And Drop Top Wop, from start to finish, it, it's, it just keeps the pace fluently. We get some of the some of the familiar instrumentation that we know Metro Boomin to be known for, whether we're talking about some of the haunting bass dumping 808s that we're familiar with. And at times he experiments with different instrumentation. The way it works with Gucci is just, again, it flows fluently. Um, and collaborative efforts like Met Gala with Offset, where Offset is definitely a lot more higher pace, bringing in a different kind of energy that at times Gucci is mat- uh, matching off with. And as far as production credits on here as well, Met Gala was also with Southside as well as Metro Boomin. And it's uh, definitely... A- a braggadocious track. Something that I enjoy listening to Gucci for is when it comes to the luxurious shit. Whenever it comes to already doing enough in your career, you're well off, but you're still going to keep going because you're Gucci. Because you're Gucci. And we got some barrage of verses on here coming in at three minutes and 30 seconds. It is a lyrical onslaught. And to a certain degree, it even feels like an offset song with Gucci being the feature. But we got three whole verses coming from Offset, sounding hungry, hungry with the ad-libs. And Gucci coming in towards, I want, I want to say the fourth verse of the song. Uh, just sort of rapping, rapping in, letting it be known like, hey, I'm also in here. Both of them being flashy. Both of them, um, when it comes to imagery being presented on here, it's just, it feels like a visual movie visual movie. I could do better than that. It feels like you're <laughs> at a shopping spree. Like the imagery here is a shopping spree of all the things they're flexing. And it, it works wonderfully together. I believe in total, Megala has like five verses, four being from Offset, one being from Gucci. But the reason I wanted to highlight this track is because this is, I want to say it could be one of Offset's best features within his own career, even with um, collaborating in his own group with, you know, Migos. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Both I both eyes closed. This is this is a bad track. By bad, I mean menacing. It's haunting. This is something that I consistently return to. I highlight in Metro Boomin's discography as far as like tracks that he's made. That's just like, oh, this is this is legendary. Definitely gender. Uh, legendary. Both eyes closed. Gucci Mane starting it off. On the usual Cartier Fair frames, call me four eyes, and a simple, simple wordplay like that that keeps it entertaining and engaging whenever you want something that you could really just, you know, play with the speakers booming and you're not going to think too heavily on. Um, Two Chains does a good job of, I always feel his voice, his pitch, and his tone keeps things refreshing. And then Young Dolph demanding most of the attention towards the end with, with his, to a certain degree, his accent the way he's able to brag about what he's done. Same with Gucci, because they basically, you know, long lived off two OGs. They got out the mud, mixtapes after mixtapes after mixtapes. And to be able to reach this state where they're just, um, again, braggadocious, flaunting, is thoroughly enjoyable. Another, another feature, of course, Lost for Words with Rick Ross. Anytime we got Ross on a feature... We, we could, for the most part, agree that it isn't a disappointment. There was that, maybe that one moment with Freddie Gibbs. I forgot the name of the track. Where I was like, eh. But we got Rick Ross 
instead of the usual lyrical onslaught, taking things a, a, a bit of a step back, a bit more passive, relying more on a flow impact and writing the instrumentation as opposed to his own lyricism that is still catchy. And one thing that I enjoy the most about Drop Top Wop is that at, at times, the sort of, I wouldn't say lazy, the sort of loose, laid back hooks that Gucci presents throughout the album is contagious. Just starting off in the beginning with the $5 million intro and going off into his first verse, some Gucci, me and LaFleur make $5 million a day, continuing to play on the fact that he's making $5 million a day, ending off every single rhyme scheme with the A, the ways, relate, gate, estate. And it's simplistic, it's fun, and it's enjoyable. Going into the hook, I do feel, again, that when it, that loose, laid-back, nice rhythm, Gucci does it the best. Five billion intro, hurt a nigga's feelings at time, even when it does feel repetitive. It, it just gets straight to the point. Rerock a brick, put it in the press, and then get it DDT'd. That's a pretty crazy way to start off the track and continue that momentum onward. Overall, I really believe Drop Top Wop to be packaged neatly, cohesively, and the features that we do have on here to a certain extent, except for the Rick Ross. The Rick Ross, I could see why people don't rock with it. It is a bit more timid compared to the usual Ross. Not as, not as a, much of an onslaught. However, one of the best offset features, a solid two chains feature, a great young doll feature, and plenty of relaxed flows, imagery, a bit of fun wordplay, and overall just a strong sense of, hey, we the shit, and we're going to keep rapping about it. And it's going to sound crazy on these 808s. It's going to sound crazy on the beat, on the bass. And it just flows right through. 10 tracks, drop top wop. Now, from there, I might be a little bit out of order. It's probably going to be a little bit out of order, but songs, no, artists that I'm anticipating their albums for this year, this year, 2023. Can you believe that? We almost done with January. Usually for me, this has been one of those months that are just sort of like dragged by, but surprisingly, surprisingly for me, it's gone, it's gone by pretty quick. But with that, I'm excited for Lil Uzi, of course, The Pink Tape, being an album that's been teased for a good amount of time. And Uzi feeding us with an EP last year, various singles, and continuing to build the momentum that he's had with I Just Want to Rock. That anticipation is just creeping around the corner. I'm really excited for Lil Uzi. Travis Scott, Utopia, long overdue, unfortunately, with the Astroworld tragedy. Uh, of course, COVID. His album has been delayed continuously, continuously, continuously. Uh, as lacklustered as Travis Scott's singles and features have been over the past two years or so, the most enticing one potentially being down in Atlanta. And even with that, it, it isn't as crazy or as robust as I would expect from a Travis and Pharrell joint record. I am still highly anticipating Utopia because I truly believe in Travis's, in Travis's craft. It's just he's going to present a body of work that sonically we're not going to be prepared for. I remember prior to Astroworld, whenever um, Travis Scott was dropping lackluster features as well as singles, the very underwhelming collaborative project with Quavo, I was a bit worried for his direction when it comes to a body of work. I was just like, this, 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 this isn't looking too good. Birds in the Trap, amazing, by the way. Just want to put that out there. I, I was concerned like, man, would this album even be able to eclipse Birds in the Trap? 
Happy to say, we were all not only impressed, blown away and surprised by Astroworld, the experience that it was, the truly breathtaking, monumental album that will continue to transcend through time and space in its own theme park. Beautiful touch right there, right? So Utopia being an album that I believe will be do- uh, dropping this year. I mean, the label wants their money at some point. They they still eating off of Astroworld, but it's like, yo, Utopia, y'all know you want to get y- y'all know you want to get your ends off of that. One thing that I would like to see from Utopia is to do the same thing that it did with Astroworld. Bring in some features on here that we didn't necessarily expect. For example, Frank Ocean, and then the way Frank Ocean performed on Astroworld was something unexpected. Don Tolliver, this introduction to a majority of us, we can't say, was phenomenal. And then, you know, bring in some familiar faces. Of course, Drake, Sickle Mode, a monster track. The Weeknd, Skeletons, great, great as well. And I would eventually love to see Travis Scott and Denzel Curry making a track together. I believe it was Houston Fornication that originally had a Denzel Curry feature. However, it was scrapped. Things didn't pan out. But I would love to see these two definitely join forces on something, whether it's laid back or hype Denzel Curry. Like, oh, we, we, need, we need Denzel Curry and Travis together. We do. We do. Now, even though it hasn't even been exactly two years, maybe a year and some change, I anticipate J. Cole dropping his next album this year. I believe, what was it, The Boy? That could potentially be the name of his album. I see J. Cole dropping this year, even though at this point it hasn't even been two years, just due to um, the emphasis on hunger, the emphasis on him training his skills. Most recently, he dropped a track off a J. Cole-type beat he found on YouTube titled Procrastination. Uh, it was so good, and he was so enthralled to the point where it's just like he rapped over the beat, sent it to the producer. He's like, do what you want with this. And if that's the kind of energy J. Cole's holding on to now, I don't see him waiting three years to drop an album. And I don't, I don't think we're also going to get like Revenge of the Dreamers 4 this year. I am expecting maybe about two or three J. Cole features before we get that album and then whatever comes after that. But I, do, I am anticipating J. Cole dropping this year and I am excited for that as well. Tyler, the creator. Call me when you get lost. Tyler, the creator, returning back to his rap, his rap roots with everything he's gained throughout the course of his career. What's the gift from the heavens? A gift from the heavens, surreal, phenomenal, from the aesthetic, from the music videos to the live performance that it's caused us, to the actual body of work, the storytelling elements, elements, grabbing features that on paper we really wouldn't expect, like Young Boy and 42 Doug, and making exceptional tracks out of them too. One that's a hyped up, amped up. And then the other one was more mellow, laid back. And Young Boy giving an incredible melodic performance that is very addictive, sugar-coated with love and affection, and smoothed out like, uh, you know, what are, what are those things that like smooth the road out? They put the new road in. It was in the Cars movie. This was supposed to be like a dope reference, uh, dope reference but I forgot the name of those vehicles. Anyhow, I anticipate Tyler, the creator, dropping an album this year as well. And something that I'm anticipating from Tyler, the creator, for this next album is to go in two general directions. One being a jazz album. Tyler, the creator, in a Zane Lowe interview, whenever he dropped Flower Boy, he said how he's interested in jazz, loves jazz, and will love to have some jazz instrumentation for his next project. And with the way everybody's been going with sort of like a dance vibe, dance wave, I can't anticipate 
Tyler making some kind of dance music, potentially disco influence, potentially influencing some other dance inspired genre that I'm not familiar with. Who knows? But I do see Tyler, the creator dropping this year. Frank Ocean. I do not anticipate an album dropping from him. I'm, I have closure with Frank Ocean. If he were to never drop another body of work, I'm content with what we got. I know for some of you guys, it hurts saying this. For my Frank Ocean fans, it hurts hearing that Frank Ocean might never drop music again. But I'm, I'm content. I'm good. I'm good. I, I cried a couple times bringing myself to this point. But I don't expect the album dropping for Frank Ocean. We do know he's going to be performing at Coachella. That is important. Frank Ocean is going to be performing at Coachella. Now, whether he's going to have a new body of work, that is debatable. I think it's worth noting. However, I don't anticipate anything coming from Frank Ocean. ASAP Rocky. ASAP Rocky. Definitely expecting him to drop this year. He's already dropped. I don't know if it's like official single or something of a Lucy, but same problems, which definitely feels like a Milo interlude is something that, you know, it's ASAP Rocky season. It's creeping over. Likewise, I do anticipate Rihanna to drop this year as well. And with that, you know, Rihanna being pregnant, parents and everything, I can see why it's going to take a bit for them to drop music. I don't see this happening until maybe the second half of the year, seeing as how it's a newborn, new baby. There needs to be a lot of attention, a lot of love, and, you know, some time to, you know, love your child. Love your child. But I definitely anticipate ASAP Rocky to be dropping, Rihanna to be dropping, and Party Next Door. Most recently, we've had the track her old friends drop. And I don't know if that's any indication of a party project dropping anytime nearby, but I will hope so, man. I will hope so. Was it Party Mobile that was his last project? I, I want to say so. Yeah, I just want to search this up for reference real quick. But I do believe it was Party Mobile. Yeah, uh, Party Mobile. Technically, we had the party pack, but that wasn't exactly, you know, a new body of work. There were some songs that were on SoundCloud that weren't, you know, officially packaged that were bundled in together. You know, smash hit like West District, Persian Rugs, things that have been out for years. So Party Mobile is going to be about three years. Party, honestly, is so unpredictable that I can't even say it's about time for him. But with this, I do anticipate Party Next Door dropping this year, as well as Drake. I do see Drake dropping again this year. He has a lot of momentum with 21 Savage. He is going to go on tour, I believe, performing in stadiums. So I see Drake wanting to build as much momentum as possible to build the tickets up to continue building that dynamic with 21 Savage. And, you know, overall, I mean, Drake wants to stay at the top in order to stay at the top. Music got to be fed. Good music, great music, high quality music at that as well. So going on from here, I want to talk about one of my favorites. One of my favorite storytelling tracks over, like, damn, it hasn't even, hasn't even been a year. Can you believe that? It hasn't even been a year. Jid's Crack Sandwich is one of the most riveting, solid, amazing storytelling tracks ever. Jid's Crack Sandwich is an amazing storytelling track. This was a track that I was anticipating before the album dropped just because of the name, Crack Sandwich. If that doesn't entice you enough to know it's going to be legendary, I don't know what will. 
And as exciting as the title was, when I actually listened to the track, I was blown away. I love the fact that we got multiple sort of hooks and pre-courses on here on a storytelling track. When it comes to storytelling tracks and hooks, uh, I'm not going to say it never works. I'm not going to go down that route. But whenever a rapper is able to have a solid hook and a solid pre-chorus on a storytelling track, that's a lot, a lot of praise. We got to have a lot of praise for that because it keeps, the re- it keeps the rhythm, it keeps the replayability, it keeps the flow. Regardless, there's a couple storytelling tracks that I go back to and it is replayable. But whenever we have those, those moments in there that just glue it in together for replayability, it's unbeatable. It truly is unbeatable. So with that, Jid Crack Sandwich, um, the first half of the track highlighting the dynamic and relationships between Jid and his six siblings, which is pretty dope to get like that glimpse into Jid's life or his upbringing relationship with his siblings. The Forever Sawyer course, bringing in a more personal glimpse into Jid. And one thing that I heavily appreciate about the first verse on top of the fact that, you know, we're getting, we're getting these siblings, but this will be the best way to put it. The same way we're getting the sibling dynamic being expressed the same way we're getting the imagery being put into the forefront. We're getting some malicious basketball bars that are just out of this world. First take, go to first base, Stephen A. Smith West on the hip talking shit like Skip or Shannon Sharp Sharp shooting off of the top of the cliff. That, that, that just makes me want to just put the headphones down, turn off the music, go outside, look at the sky, look at the stars and sort of reflect back on my life. At what point I wasn't able to rap like this because this is, um, this is phenomenal stuff right here. And then whenever we go throughout the first verse, going into the second verse, when you fall down, stand up, get a bandage. I ain't got cheeseburger money, make a sandwich. I love the hook right here. Jid's parents basically telling like, yo, stand up, get a bandage. All right, we ain't got food for you. Go make a sandwich somehow. And if you behave bad, get whipped somehow, you know, to, to show how his parents raised him. Now, going on there into the second verse, we get some more aggressive basketball bars. Of course, we get some crazy word plays as what's there. She could be, the, could be the collapse of a kingdom, but kings got to peep the seat word to Caesar. And then just following up from that. And that's already the second verse. Going on to, uh, yeah, not technically not the pre-chorus, but rather the bridge. Riding my city, I am my shooter. It's addictive. It's contagious. It has some rhythm. You could sort of bop to it. I don't know about full out dancing to it. But whenever we have this bridge and we have the chorus, it, it gives the track time to breathe. Crack Sandwich is able to let you breathe. It's not drowning you in the storytelling in the storytelling elements. It's not drowning you with so much information. It's like, here's the time we have between this track to set the atmosphere, to catch your breath and sort of groove with it before we get into the conclusion. The conclusion, of course, them going out, <laughs> all of them eventually getting into a huge um, bar fight, uh, Jid's siblings and the way he was... Uh, <laughs> He was describing it. I mean, in the beginning, continued to break down, like talking about Izzy being athletic as fuck, all American star, so on and so forth. And then going on from there, discussing how his Grammy was celebrating, cooking up a few, a few cakes. And it just gives that like that sense of a family bonding, that little bit of warmth into the track that it just, it feels neat. It feels neat packaged in. And then whenever they go in, <clears throat> um, whenever they're celebrating this, and eventually Jid's sister gets hit. 
And then everybody just starts going in and eventually they go into the streets. And then it's just a giant, massive fight outside in New Orleans. And then, of course, the people start calling the police. And then him seeing like everybody getting packed, packed, pack us inside of a paddy wagon. We sardines, assaulting crackers that want to shackle us in chains and a whole event's taking in place and then ending it off with the fact like, hey, you know what? Maybe our parents are proud of us with the way uh, we grew up together. The fact that we're all so close, the fact that we're able to fight together, but, you know, hold each other down. All of that, all of that is, um, is phenomenal. So the depth that is given to the characters in Crack Sandwich is enjoyable. The, the relationships and dynamics between everyone before we get to the huge climax towards the end of the uh, the end of the song is built up pretty well. Again, the moments that we're able to breathe with the bridges, with the chorus, some of the imagery being portrayed, some of the nice basketball references. Again, I'm highlighting that. It's just like, all right, we got, we got a, wide away, a wide array of themes and elements and references that are keeping this fresh. And of course, a cracked sandwich, an illusionary device representing how each member of his family contributes to disorganized and rambunctious concoction. When told by his parents in the hook to go make a sandwich, a favorite pain for a cheeseburger. Jid instead makes do with his siblings, so on and so forth, choosing to appreciate his familiar relationships akin to creating a metaphorical crack sandwich. Shouts out the genius for this. That is why Crack Sandwich is a phenomenal storytelling track. A little bit rough, but we here with it. And yo, man, great, great song overall. And... I actually am going to end this off real quick because there were some numbers I wanted to discuss, but for now, we're going to end it off like this. Metro, Metro Boomin's Heroes and Villains becomes the longest running top five album from a non-rapping producer in history, surpassing DJ Khaled. This is great. I spoke about it on the last podcast episode, how Metro Boomin and DJ Khaled are tied for the longest running top five albums from a non-rapping producer and Metro Boomin has surpassed this. Shouts out to Metro Boomin. Shouts out to Heroes and Villains being a phenomenal album and some important numbers to look at or some notable ones. Trippy Red's Mansion Music 59k over 20 songs features ranging from Chief Keef to Juice World, G Herbo Future, Lil Baby and a couple more, you know, I'm not going to list the whole entire track list here. Damn near felt like half the industry. And to only debut at the number three spot with 59K, it's not a great sign. Goes to show you, I found the album to be incredibly underwhelming. Have the review on YouTube. And it's just overall, I could see why it sold 59K. With that, Metro Boomin, seeing as how he did break the record, the uh, 54K Number five spot, holding it down. Her loss, still doing solid with 21 Savage at the number six spot, 45K. Bad Bunny doing Bad Bunny numbers, number eight, 41K. And with that, Vivid Nectar, episode 265. Thank you for following through the beginning and enjoying these topics as we go along the way. I would have loved to done this episode a little bit longer. I didn't get to cover Lil Yachty, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, I'll be able to listen to it a bit more. That way I can give you, a, you know, some more fleshed out thoughts. But with that, I'll catch you guys on the next one. Alexander, out.